Welcome to Discoculia Headlines Weekly, a podcast where we share news, information, resources, tips and tricks about Discoculia. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and then search for Discoculia Headlines. You can also find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and then click on the podcast page. This is our podcast for week 44 in 2015, and we welcome back Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Discoculia Services, who will discuss with us the backgrounds of the headline links from this week. Welcome, Dr. Schroeder. Always happy to be here. Well, the week started with a follow-up, actually, from the week before, in that the Department of Education announced additional guidance to the states. What was that exactly? Yeah, the Department of Education had promised to give additional guidance to states about learning disabilities. Yeah, they promised And here is the most important part of that fairly technical announcement. The Office is, let, let me uh, just read that, the okay. Office of Special Education and Rehabilitation Services, OSERS, has received communications from stakeholders, including parents, advocacy groups, and national disability organizations who believe that state and local educational agencies, SEAs and LEAs, are reluctant to reference or use the words dyslexia, dyscoculia, and dysgraphia in evaluations, eligibility determinations, or in developing the individualized education program, the IEPs, under IDA law. The purpose of this letter is to clarify that there is nothing in the IDEA that would prohibit the use of these terms, dyslexia, dyscoculia, and dysgraphia, in any evaluation in eligibility determinations or IEP documents. Okay, well, that's a big mouthful, so (laughs) what's that in plain English? (laughs) in, In regular English, this means that schools and school districts can no longer object to the use of the term dyscoculia in the IEPs. Good. This was a commonly used tactic from schools to keep the goals in the IEP vague Mm -hmm. so that they could try to accommodate the need with putting a child in a general special education class with overstretched teachers trying to juggle the large number of different educational needs at the same time. Right. And for the school districts to stay away from actually getting the specialized help involved that these children need. Well, mostly it could be attributed to the misunderstanding of the existing guidance. Yes. But sometimes I get the impression that the schools and school districts take an easy way out. Mm -hmm. As long as I still encounter school districts that tell my clients that they don't recognize dyscoculia... This guidance is very, very welcome. Okay, well, that makes it very clear. Yeah, this is very helpful. Uh, we're very happy with this statement. We actually we have two links dealing with it, and the listeners can follow the link uh, to the actual message uh, uh, from the department. Now, the next link is to a radio program. I think it's from Canada, where they emphasize the need for more attention to dyscalculia. And so, what is the background here? Or, or let's first listen to it. Uh, Daniel, is this now recognized as a learning disability or are we still learning about this? It is recognized as a learning disability. Uh, For example, in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Association, there is a category for specific learning difficulties that includes developmental dyscalculia. But Rick, the problem is uh, we 
don't have a large awareness about developmental dyscalculia. If we compare it to developmental dyslexia, most people now know about dyslexia. We've done a lot of research into the reasons behind why children struggle with reading. We've got less research and less awareness around developmental dyscalculia. Awareness is the key word there. Are educators, psychologists, psychiatrists, parents, teachers, are they all aware of this? In my experience, they're much less aware of developmental dyscalculia than they are of developmental dyslexia. When I talk to educators, I ask them how many of you know about developmental dyslexia, all hands go up. Developmental dyscalculia, only a fraction of hands go up. So we need to build more awareness. Uh, we, I get emails all the time from parents who are concerned, who are seeking help for their children who might be experiencing such difficulties. And there's a lack of awareness. And often these problems don't get formally diagnosed either. The person being interviewed is uh, Dr. Daniel Ansari. And I have little to add to this very clear explanation. Mm -hmm. Daniel has developed a screening methodology for, for kindergarten till third grade that is freely available from the website numeracyscreener.org. Oh, we'll put a link on the podcast page in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, good. Uh, you can print out the test booklets appropriate for the age of the child. And you also need to print out the script with what you need to say as mm -hmm. teacher or uh, volunteer and in order for the results to be as accurate as possible you really need to stick exactly to these words okay when you have done the test you can submit the scores it's all anonymous and the system will give you a percentile rank that will show how that child or student did versus all other children of the same age and the country where the test was done okay and it would be great if people would use the screening instrument yeah, as, a, as a first step uh, when they feel there is an issue. Right. Or when the child is older, they can use the Discoculia screener on my website, discoculiaservices.com. It's okay. also free. In any case, the statement from the Department of Education and interviews like the one with Daniel Ansari are great to raise awareness for Discoculia. Ideally, we should have a school-wide screening for dyscalculia, like we have for dyslexia, such as the TPRA, the Texas Primary Reading Inventory. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, we'll put a link to that screening instrument in the show notes uh, on our podcast page at dyscalculiaheadlines.com. Uh, let's look at the next link then. Uh, that talks about mad anxiety and how it may run in the family. Is it contagious? <laughs> that sounds so, yeah, but actually there's no evidence that there is a genetic inheritance for math anxiety specifically. But what this piece of research tells is the following. They followed children who were anxious about math and their parents. Mm -hmm. And they also asked the parents how often they helped the children with their math homework. And as a result, they found that parents who themselves have math anxiety and who help their children a lot with their homework may be the cause or contribute to the math anxiety that the children have. Oh, that's counterproductive. Just from the way they handle the homework. Oh, wow. And the research suggests more a relationship caused by the lack of skills of the parents with math anxiety mm -hmm. rather than a genetic cause for that okay. relationship between parent and child math anxiety. The answer would be to help the parents help their children and provide them with the right tools and techniques. And there's a great list of suggestions from our NCTM's past president, Linda Gojak, 
in the series Summing Up on the NCTM website. Search for Partnering with Parents. Okay, well, we'll find the link and uh, put that in the show notes as well. And we see it at our workshops that some parents participate in order to learn how to help their children. This is very welcome and, and really very committed. Right. And after the parent gets over their own mouth anxiety, they will absolutely be better able to help their children. Right. We're talking to Dr. Schroeder, the founder of Discoculia Services, and we're looking at the links provided during the week on our website, discoculiaheadlines.com. We continue our walk through the week with a blog post about math anxiety and remedies or strategies to do something about it. Math anxiety is a huge problem, and as we just discussed it, may run in family and go from parent to child. Now this blog post gives us some easy techniques to do something about it. Let me sum it up. First, keep the right attitude and be positive about math. It makes a huge difference. Wow. Don't say anything derogatory about the subject. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to get help yourself. And reinforces appearance that hard work and thinking deeply about the question will pay off eventually. Then uh, get in the right man mindset by doing a reality check and dispute the notion that they feel like a failure in everything. Actually, we now know that mistakes grow our brain. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, we discussed that. Raise their confidence. By first practicing a calculation and then testing it immediately afterward when they still know it. And that will give them a great passing rate. It just helps their self-confidence. Mm -hmm. And then praise hard work and persistence. And not specifically the good grades. Because if you praise good grades, it only ups the pressure for the child to perform. Mm -hmm. Well, our listeners may have other strategies that have worked for them, so I would really welcome their suggestions, which we can then share in next podcasts. Right, yeah, thank you for this. Yeah, we welcome suggestions on this and other topics we discuss uh, and, and uh, things that our listeners uh, would like us to discuss. You can always email them to communications at discoculiaheadlines.com or you can tweet us, we are at discoculiahead. Or you can leave messages on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Headlines. The final link goes to a generator for worksheets at the sendteacher.org site. Now, I've heard you talk uh, very critically about workshop, uh, worksheets before. So, uh, how about these? Are they, are they okay? Or? Well, uh, yes, I feel they are okay. In, in many schools, teachers still work primarily with worksheets, unfortunately. Uh, and I feel that with the creativity of game designers today, games are the new worksheets. Mm. Actually, um, they will keep the interest going much longer as it surprises the children. They often need to make several calculations in order to get a step ahead in the game and they can play often. Right. Now these worksheets from SEN teacher and SEN stands for Special Educational Needs surely look very attractive and they are designed to illustrate math concepts in a very visual and effective way and also work for students who do not have special needs. You can easily personalize them and include the numbers you are working on in class mm -hmm. so you can use it next to any existing curriculum. Now my rant against worksheets 
is the sort where sums are listed in black and white and go on for pages and pages to keep kids busy in right, class. Right. And that's not what we need. Mm -hmm. And those I try to avoid as much as possible. Okay. These worksheets give kids nice icons with recognizable pictures so they can relate the question to real-life situations. That is what the Zen uh, teachers' uh, worksheets do. So use, use it with care worksheets. Choose wisely, but there are really some good ones around. Okay, yeah, I, I like them too. They look very attractive, and the, the generator works uh, very simple, very fine, and uh, so I tried it out. Well, thank you for your commentary and insights, Dr. Schroeder, and until the next week. Uh, Dr. Schroeder is the founder of Discalculia Services, and you can also follow her on Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. Free downloads and a free trans, uh, Discalculia screener are available on her website, discalculiaservices.com. Discoculia Headlines Weekly is a production from discoculiaheadlines.com. You can find us on the web at discoculiaheadlines.com and we are on Twitter at discoculiahead. You can also find us on Facebook, we have a board on Pinterest and on Flipboard. Search for Discoculia Headlines or follow the links on our webpage. You can send your questions, comments and contributions to communications at discoculiaheadlines.com and we may even discuss it in one of our upcoming podcasts. We hope this was useful for you and until next week, you can count on us.